I haven't heard a single chicken the entire time that we've been talking here, getting ready Uh-oh. for the show. Not a single chicken. Are your chickens you okay? Just, you just invited the fury. They're going to be pecking at the oh. window in about <laughs> two seconds. You're not getting the storm right now? Not yet. No, are you? Are you guys? No, no. I think it's going to miss us. We're, we got some light rain. It's coming up from a little bit kind of south of Jersey. It's kind of coming up at an angle, kind of toward the northeast. Coming. So it's about 3 o'clock. It's going to start to snow bad. Looks bad. Yeah, it's supposed to be a, a really bad one for you guys, right? It's supposed to be. Like, New York City is going to get creamed. But like right now, it's like 15 degrees out, which is the coldest it's been so far this year, which is crazy. Hmm. My house is like, it's it's like, do you ever see like a crate that like uh, fruit comes in? <laughs> a, a fruit crate? <laughs> with with the big open slats in the side? That's what your house I is paint like? Paint it white and put a roof on it and a bed. That's my house. <laughs> so I can <laughs> tell when I wake up and I go, uh-oh, today is cold. Because, you know, I hear all the heating systems just groaning on and on and on. Like they usually take a break every once in a while. They're like... It's like they run full speed and then they stop to catch their breath because I got like four heating systems in the house. And then they run full speed and then they stop. And they're like, <sighs> now they're just running full speed. And then, I, I, then I'm afraid like if the heating systems just run continuously and then they stop, they just died. Like that's it. Like, <laughs> yeah, like that was the, gave up. But, so obviously, you've you've done you've put in four heating systems to try to help that with your house. Is there anything else you can do? That's not a that's not a jab yeah, at your no, house. No, no, that's no. a legitimate no, question. We, we talk about it all the time. Every time we have like a little bump in cash, we're like, okay, what can we spend twenty thousand dollars on to improve the house? We haven't done this yet, and it, we're having a room redone right now. Actually, the guys are working here right above me, so we might hear some clanging. They're replacing the windows in one of the rooms on sixteen degree day. They're replacing the windows. But that being said, they did the interior while I was away in California of the room. Every time we do a room, we rip out the interior and insulate. Uh, and this uh, the house is balloon framing, so like you can drop something in the wall on the third floor, and you hear it hit the floor inside the kitchen wall because everything's just like goes straight down. So they they put battens in the in the baffles in the room so that like you don't hear sounds travel and stuff. So as I've owned the house now for sixteen years, we we upgrade room by room as we go. But what my neighbor did down the block, which took all summer and it was a very complicated, but they did a really good job. These guys sort of forensically took apart the house from the outside. So they picked the whole entire section of the house and removed all the clapboard. And all you saw was the interior walls from the interior, you know, from you know inside of the wall. And they insulated the entire house from the outside and then put all the clapboard up. They numbered it and put it all back up. So by the time they were done nailing stuff up, the touch the paint touch up was just to cover the nail holes and stuff. And we, we hmm. fantasized about doing that. But it was like an all summer job and removing clapboard and, you know, ones would break when you took them off. So it was a lot of work. But I thought that was a really clever idea, basically, to approach the house from the outside in rather than the inside out. So that's always a we always talk about doing that, but it'll never happen because it's just too so complicated. With that, I've never heard of the balloon framing. What what how does that work? So they I don't What's understand why idea? like now when you build a house you, you build a, an entire floor, you put all the floor joists on, and then you build the second floor on top of it. In the old days they would just have like long extended two by fours and sometimes they would overlap them to join them together as opposed to putting them right on top of one another. So the two by four that starts right here on my kitchen floor might be 15 feet long. So it goes all the way up to the roof, which is because this is only a two floor section of the house. It might go all the way up before it stops 
and then you you nail a, a nailer around it from the inside, and then hang the floor on that, as opposed to putting the floor hmm. directly on top of eight foot high two by fours, yeah. and then putting the next floor on top of that whole entire floor sill and everything. It was just you know it was uh, in the the development of just stick framing. It was like a section of the of the time frame of framing where it was they did it badly. This was that was the, the dark days of framing. <laughs> So if that's the case, like, could you go to like the top of the highest point, drill a hole in the wall, and then squirt in like expanding foam type stuff, and have it go down and fill upward? Or? Yeah, technically, and occasionally, yeah. I remember. It'd just be a huge amount of yeah, it. Yeah, when I, I in the yeah in the I remember in the uh, <clears throat> in the eighties there was a big thing on Long Island where they would these guys would come and they would drill like three inch holes in your house and blow foam in. And to make yeah. sure that it got all the way down, they'd drill like a series of holes. So the house would look like it's polka dotted by the time it was done. Because you drill, you pick a bay, you drill a hole at the top, fill it with foam or, or blow in insulation. Sometimes it's like shredded shredded fibers. And it would always settle too. That was another thing. It would settle at the bottom and then you'd have like, you know, if you could see through x-ray vision into your house, it would be like sand art. It would all be settled, <laughs> you know. So yeah. anyway, it, it, there was no real superficial way of doing it. I mean, there is, I'm sure there's probably some insulation experts screaming at the computer right now saying, I know the best <laughs> way to do it. But anyway, so why, when I wake up and I feel like the wind on my toes, I'm like, oh, okay, it's one of those days. <laughs> That's how it was today. There's the chickens. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. yep. 16 degrees right Bob now. Bob woke them up. Yeah, sorry about that. Mm. Well, what have you guys been up to other than being cold? <laughs> <laughs> Dave, I talk too much. You go. Uh, well, we got um, we got two videos coming out this week. One I'm going to release as soon as we're done with the show, and that is the 808 table finally. Um, cool. And so I'm I'm really happy. Like that. So this table, I only use two power tools: a circular saw and a drill. And it's one of those like anybody can do this with any skill set. All it's all the all the red oak that was used was from Lowe's. And it's all cross cutting because it's I, I I designed the project around the width of the boards that you could get at Lowe's, and so hmm. hopefully um, people can see this and, and think, hey, this is a great way to get started in the woodworking. Instead of building some little box that you nail together, you can actually make a useful big table. So I'm really happy with the way that table came out, and it's colorful and and fun, and it covers up the ugly nature of red oak and then um <laughs> and then later on in the week uh i think on friday the videos are already edited um we are releasing my christmas video which we blacksmithed uh, uh forged a a christmas tree holder and we cut down a weed tree in the yard and we put up this charlie brown christmas tree in the house the um the Christmas tree holder is just as ugly as as the tree. If I could go back, I would I would do some things different, but it works and it's functional. And I got to use the the forge, and it was it was super fun. So, couple couple videos this week. Bob, I know you have the same forge. Have you used it since last year? Um, I actually used it 
last week on mm. something that's coming up in a couple of weeks, and I got to go out there again later this week to finish that up. So I'm going to be using it again. Mm. Yeah, I, um, it feels kind of silly to like to turn it on and be like, "Oh yeah, how how hot do I need this thing, or how much <laughs> gas do I need to turn on?" Or, you know, like I actually had to so watch long. my old video to remind myself like <laughs> how, how to use it. Um, and uh, it was definitely overkill for this project because I was using sheet metal that was. 14 gauge as well as one eighth. And I could have just used a torch to heat it up and then bend it, but I, I've got the forge. Why not? Why not overkill it and use that? So it was fun. I uh I ended up painting it. I got this <clears throat> I think it was Rust-Oleum like glitter paint. And what I should have done was just hammered the whole thing so it had a cool forged blacksmithy look. Uh I wanted it. I I thought, hey, there's some glitter paint at the at the home center. I'm going to use this and make it look all Christmassy. And the glitter paint can clogged up halfway through, like not it, not not the nozzle somewhere in the can. You could tell there's a lot of paint left in there, but nothing comes out. I even took one of Jimmy's ice picks and jammed it down in there dangerously. Nothing happened. <laughs> um, <laughs> And so I didn't even get to finish painting it. It's just got one coat of this glitter. Uh, I don't know. It's it's the Carly, Charlie Brown Christmas tree stand. <laughs> it's it's adorable, and it's a fun video. Nice. Uh, that that ice pick comes in so handy, by the way. Oh, all thank the you. Time. Thank you very much. Uh, ice pick sales are, are doing well. Like I said, it, it's going to be really successful when people say, "Hand me the Duraster," and they don't know who I am. So I'm looking forward to that time. The ice pick sales are very brisk, so thank you, everybody that keeps buying them. Hmm. Um, I this week I made those folding stools that we discussed last week, and I got a lot of good feedback. A lot of people listened to this show and responded in the comments over there, and and in uh, Instagram. So thank you for following through all that. It, they they came out really good. And yesterday, Taylor and I, Taylor has been talking to this place here in East Durham called Royal Metals. I don't know if anybody. Um, heard of it before anybody listening but there's a place here it's been it's been a business since 1953 and so i met her there yesterday she's having one of her chair frames made there and it's an incredible family-owned business so uh they do only metal work and metal finishing which is crazy because i went there and walked through the place the place looks like it's 1960 in there like nothing's upgraded like the office is all paneling walls like you see in the old Calvin Klein ads, like, but you know, it was modern probably in 1978, and everything's covered in metal dust. The entire place, like the offices, everywhere you meet, the mailroom, everything's covered in metal dust. And uh, I, they, I brought the stools in. They're going to give us a quote. They, they're going to do the quote from doing the whole thing with fully doing the leather and everything, finished piece, and then maybe just making the parts mm-hmm. for us. So it's funny. This this might become a fast product. So uh, it's. Uh, the response has been really good. Everybody's like, I want to buy those three. I want to buy those three. I want to buy those three. And those will probably, you know, go in the Jocko Museum. So I'll keep those. But the the next <laughs> the, the next few that we ultimately make, we'll probably do like a run of 10 just to see how it goes and to see what the pricing is. So it's exciting. A lot of, a lot of people responded to that. And it was a fun video to make and they're fairly simple. And uh, then I've been working on the, the blue pickup truck or the flatbed pickup truck doing the body work which is fun because I used to do that when I was a kid. It's so funny because the technology behind painting has changed incredibly. When I stopped painting cars, I used to paint my own cars. I didn't really do it for anybody else. But when I was a kid, I say, you know, in my, my 20s, 
And also when I used to paint guitars, I used to use lacquer thinner paint, paint that is thinned with lacquer thinner. And then I remember rumblings when I was about 22, 23 of like, they're going to outlaw lacquer. And I used to say, how can they outlaw lacquer? You could still buy it at every hardware store. But on a grand scale, you can't paint cars with lacquer thinner anymore. It's illegal in nearly every state. And so uh, I was nervous to go into the paint store for the same reasons we talk about going into the metal shop or going into like the fine woodworking store to buy fine wood rather than plywood, hardwood dealer. And I just went in. I just said, look, I know how to paint. I know how to do everything. I just don't understand this technology. And the guy was incredibly nice. And he basically pulled all the data sheets, showed me all the data sheets, said, you know, how to mix because it's all urethane now. It's all catalyzed urethane. So I'm going to probably do that this week. I don't know if there's going to be a video this week unless something interesting comes to me by the end of the week. As of now, I was thinking about doing like a two-part series of the car restoration. I'm not sure because maybe I'll just do all the body work and then do a video about the painting of it. I'm not sure. I got to decide. It's Wednesday, so I have to start editing because I have a lot of footage of the automobile, but I haven't really put it together. Um, but it's going to be interesting digging into this paint technology. You have to catalyze the paint with two different, you got to put activator and hardener in it, which is crazy. So you have to catalyze the paint. And then once you use it, you only have like a certain amount of time to use it. And then there's a reducer, which is a different chemical that you clean the gun with. So I bought a new gun. I bought paint. I bought catalyzable primer where you have to put it's like it's all epoxy basically it's not epoxy someone's going to scream at the the headphones saying it's not epoxy i'm an automobile expert it's uh urethane paints and the guy at the store told me that based on environmental protection laws and stuff that in due time everything's going to be water-based automobile finishes are all going to be 100 percent water-based which is crazy hmm but what's funny is, like, I don't know how lacquer is obviously extremely, you know, a, a, what do you say, volatile chemical. Uh, I don't know the chemicals that these catalyzers and all this, the paint, it smells just as bad. Everything smells just as bad. Yeah. Like, it, this is supposed to be less harmful, but it all seems just as poisonous and smells just as terrible. And I bought a new respirator yeah. for the paint. So last night I was doing some of the body work. Oh, and news revelation since we spoke, I ended up buying a backhoe. So that's another fun thing. It's another content. I don't know if you guys <laughs> noticed that on my stories. I bought a 1990, I don't know. It's, it's either, I can't find the data plate. It might be ripped off. It's between <laughs> like 92 and 96, 97. It's a, it's a case 590 turbo. And it, I basically bought like a little house on wheels. Like that's how complicated and like the systems in that. And all the, I've always wanted one. I've always wanted one. And like the prices that I was looking at, I was like $40,000. Like everywhere I go, $40,000, a good used one, $40,000. Like, you know, one that's only got, it's eight, it's like from the 80s. It's still $30,000. It's crazy. These things like really retain their value. And so this was a, a garage sale nearby. The guy passed away and now they're selling all of his stuff. And just on a whim, I'm like, is the, the backhoe was like buried in the ground and my friend was there and I just said to him I go look I go because he's the, really more of the wheeler and dealer he's a local guy I hang out with I said if they if they'll sell that because he knew the family I said if they'll sell that let's go halves on it and he said okay cool so me and my buddy Anthony we bought it half and half so it was ten thousand dollars we bought it for five thousand each go ahead so, I mean, historically <laughs> you and I have had this conversation about how Craigslist for you yeah 
no matter where you are, is amazing. And you get all sorts of awesome stuff. And Craigslist for me, no matter where I am, is terrible. <laughs> Apparently the same thing is true for garage sales because you buy backhoes and I buy or I see like board games with half the pieces missing. That's what our garage sales have. Well, you got it. Or like fans with no blades, stuff like that. Well, there's a rite of passage in East Durham and upstate New York where if you have more than like an acre of land or you could even have, if you're in upstate New York, you have to have a broken down backhoe on your property. Something that you've inherited from somebody somewhere. <laughs> it's not enough to have like half of a bus for some inexplicable reason out in the woods. You have to have a, half a bus and a backhoe. So I got halfway there. So I have a backhoe, which isn't quite broken down. It actually is in much better shape. Last night I did a little story. It's got a broken hose. And when I look at like replacing that hose, I see where it starts, how complicated it is to get at the nut that holds that cable on or hose. And then I follow that all the way up into the boom arm and I see where it goes <laughs> and all the twists and turns. And these are cables that are like, they're like an inch and a half thick. They're like hoses. that And like when you try to like move the hose uh, out of the way, you're like trying to push a piece of metal out of the way. Like that's how <laughs> these hoses are like fully braided hoses. And there's one tiny little flex pinhole tape. in one of them. Have you seen the flex tape commercials? Drips, 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 drips. $12 a gallon hydraulic fluid drip. Trip, trip, and but it's it's really fun to play with, and it's I bought it with this with, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, that's what I need. I put a hose clamp on it last <laughs> night just to stop the drip. It was in my story, uh, but I'm getting a, I'm going to have a guy a specialist come and take a look at it, and uh, it's mm-hmm. funny. Everybody everybody looks at it. And goes, do you know how expensive tires are for that thing? Like as if like I have no idea. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I said, I know they're expensive. <laughs> tires for them are about $600 for each, for each tire. So a set of tires Ooh. for, it's a four-wheel drive, so it's like a, it's a more desirable machine. Four-wheel drive tires, a set of four-wheel drive <laughs> tires for that, because there's like a price delineation for some strange reason. You'd be losing money if you didn't uh, purchase them. It's about them. $1,600 for a set of four tires, something like that. Mm. Delivered free delivery, which is nice. And then I gotta find. Oh, that's- <laughs> I gotta find someone to put them on. <laughs> so I'm talking to a specialist. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I'm finding a specialist to, to come and visit. You know, like a, a a roving a roving doctor, a roving backhoe doctor. It's gonna come country <laughs> a country backhoe doctor is gonna come and take a look at it. But it's gonna be fun because I could tear up. I can really tear some stuff up. Trying to figure out how I could use it to make art with. Like I might smash stuff with it, and you know, open cans of beans and stuff. <laughs> the, so you can get some really cool GoPro footage on there, putting a Go GoPro on the on the bucket or whatever that thing is called. So. I'm gonna put a I'm gonna put a gro- GoPro on the ground. This is an idea I had, and just like smash it with the teeth of the thing that's come straight down on it. Joe's gonna try that. Mm. <laughs> Old GoPro. <laughs> So I'm looking yeah. forward to having fun with that. Again, you know, it's like uh, all yeah. my fantasies and dreams are coming true with all my big boy toys. So thank you, YouTube. <laughs> uh, on a smaller toy scale, have you opened up and used your new 3D printer yet? Yes. Aaron Aaron did all the dirty work because Aaron is really good at following instructions. I'm really bad at it. So having Aaron around is, is like a little bit is, is a handicap for me because I just say, Aaron, please just figure that out. And he's more than happy to because he's as, as excited about the technology as me. But I just have no patience to read instructions. Anyway, we, we did the, te- the two, the, the test pieces that come with it. It, it test prints too little. They look like a... What is it? The rook? What is the, the chess piece that looks like a castle? What is that called? Is it the rook? 
Yeah, yeah. Right. It prints two of the it prints two of the rooks. Very complicated. Like if you had a three D print them in in like a PLA, you know, a traditional style three D printer, it would be very complicated to make them. And just to show you the complexity and the and how it can do it, and uh, it's incredible. And now I just have to come up with something to three D print. But Aaron's going to be using it, and we got the wash station and the UV lighting and all kinds of fun stuff for it. And I'm real excited. And uh, Bob, thank you for keeping me from spending four thousand dollars because instead instead of buying <laughs> a giant three D printer I'll use once this year, I ended up buying a backhoe. So thank you. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's that was my plan all along. Thank you. Thank you I really, very much. I knew that you wanted a backhoe. So. <laughs> David, have you opened your three D printer? By open, you mean take out of the box? <laughs> yes. Have you I set have. up your three no. D printer? I have not. Uh, um. There's a lot going on, uh, uh, you know, uh, personal things, fun things, and work things, and I'm. J- it's, it's out of the box. It's sitting right there, both the the carrying station and the and the 3D printer. But I I need a reason to to plug it in and turn it on. Mm. I will soon. I w- in my head I'm like, you know what? I got to do this before Jimmy does. I've got. I that was like my own little race that I had in my head. And then I was a little bit disappointed when you said, yep, we're up and running. It's great. Yeah. Well, uh, honestly, <laughs> if it wasn't for Aaron, I'd probably still be lazy and out about it. Just, there's just a lot going on and there's been a lot of website sales. So thank you for that. People that are listening that bought stuff on the website. So we literally been packaging and I came up with this idea to, to do like these push stick. I call them push stick kits. And it's not really a kit. It's just a way to, 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 to sell or package the push sticks. They're still in the frame that they get cut out of and you just got to pop them out. And I put a hundred in the store. And so I reached out to my guy who handles my website. I was like, have we sold any of those? He says, yeah, we sold 150 of them. I was like, I put a hundred in the store. He's like, well, they start making more. So yesterday out of nowhere. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so I have to, jump on that so if anybody bought that i'm sorry it might be late but we're making them as fast as we can so yeah so it's uh it's 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 been great i've been busy i've had no lack of things to do in between you know just trying to develop new video ideas and it's uh you know things are moving things are definitely moving oh you know what's so funny i always thought that was the dave that door back there i always thought that was like the entrance into your Uh. house but Dave just opened the I door and it's just it's a closet. <laughs> it's nothing in the closet I thought that was there. like the hallway. Yeah, I thought that was like the rest. Oh, oh yeah, there look, it is. There's another door over here that's the hallway. Oh, man. I was um I wanted to grab one of my grandfather's little crosses. I've, I've got probably two dozen here. Um he he makes these little wooden I'm sorry to steal the thunder, but I just remembered he makes these little wooden crosses and he has for years and he's been keeping count of how many he's made he just went over the 20,000 whoa oh wow yeah and um he uh they're, they're all over the world he he um he's famous in the area he's been on the news and the newspapers have written stories about him many times about all these little crosses that he makes and um so he gets requests from all over the world and he gives them away for free gives them to his church which is churches then send them all over all over the world, but his goal was to hit twenty thousand. He hit that. His buddy asked him, "What are you going to do now?" And he's like, "Make more." So <laughs> twenty five. He's just in. He's in the wood shop. Uh, yeah, he's just in. He's in the wood shop any day that it's that it's not, you know, fifteen degrees. He's out there making crosses, and he's ninety eight years old. Get him a CNC and a three D printer. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Dude, we'll see. He could use those on the fifteen degree days. Yeah, the... for sure. So shout That's out to awesome, Grandma. man. 
Yeah, that's super cool. Uh, let's see. For me, I um, it's been kind of a strange like as far as like projects. It's been a strange week or two of kind of doing things. We got things out of order. We were waiting on video to be edited and released and whatever. So it's it's like hard to remember sometimes where you are when you have a bunch of things going on. Well, me, say me. It's hard for me to remember where I am when I have a bunch of things going on. Anyway, this week, um, the video that should be out, hopefully by the time this show goes out, is I made a piece of art for our bedroom. And I know this is like nothing groundbreaking. You guys both make things for the sake of making art all the time. And that's awesome. I do not. And it is a stretch for me to intentionally make something that is just for how it looks. Because even the things like this big uh, Star Wars console thing next to me, that's mostly about how it looks, right? That's, But I still couldn't just be like, let's make a big <laughs> box that looks like a Star Wars thing. It's got to have stuff in it. It's got to do things. It's got to light up. It's got to this. It's got to that. And so I uh, made a piece of art to go above our bed, and it doesn't do anything. <laughs> it's not smart. It doesn't have any lights in it. It's just like wood in a frame with epoxy behind it as the background and anyway i'm really happy with how it came out um and just the fact that it was a thing so i kind of made it for my wife it's not a christmas present but i kind of made it for her she yeah there'll be a video for it it's not out yet um but she she grew up near the beach and she loves the ocean we now live in kentucky and they don't have oceans in kentucky in case you're not aware uh so i thought something kind of you know, ocean E. And so I made this geometric whale and I found an image online and I started there and then I, I traced out the shapes to make a geometric, like uh, a bunch of triangles to make this whale and then figured out it was multicolor and I broke that down into three colors. So I got a highlight, shadow, and then a midtone. And so I picked three different woods to go with those to give it the you know, the top of the whale, the bottom of the whale, and then the side view of the fins and stuff that kind of stick out. So you get a little bit of the detail, but then all the triangles are made out of different pieces of wood that are um, like the grain directions different. So we intentionally spun the pieces when we cut um, on the CNC or by hand, we did a combination of the two. And so when it's all goes together, the grain direction and the pieces breaks up the pieces. So you see the lines in between the pieces a little more than you would otherwise. And then we put it um, on a board, built a frame around it, and then filled the back of it, the negative space around it with white epoxy, which you could have painted and gotten a similar effect. But the white epoxy, it looks like white glass. Yeah, it's pretty it's just smooth levels. Skim coat, it's super, yeah, super level. It's super glossy. And it, it was kind of an unnecessary step, but I'm... I really like. Here's a picture of it. People who are <coughs> they can't see. It. Oh my goodness, that is beautiful. But wow, I really like it. And yeah. it was one of those things. Like I was doing this piece of art, so we were like, "Well, I mean, if we're going to hang that, we should probably paint the wall." And then Jenny's like, "Well, if we're going to paint the wall, we should probably get a new bedspread and some new pillows." And some <laughs> of course, new, you know. So it turned <laughs> into kind of another. remaking our room. But the video is that's, that's also a nice pillow there. That pillow complements the painting. Which oh the yeah yeah the black and white yeah yeah so <clears throat> anyway that's what uh, we have coming out this week. I've also been working on some um, some steel projects and the big thing uh, yesterday no two days ago I started to make a video about this and then we've kind of abandoned it. But we talked before about how like 
I couldn't use my South Bend lathe because I didn't have a tool holder, mm-hmm. the quick change tool holder. Yeah. You know, you were using it this week, and yeah. So this week I finally. <laughs> it's funny because I've been putting this off for a long time because we were going to make a video about it, and we started to, and then it just like wasn't there. I guess didn't have a video in it, so I've I've put it off for a long time for no reason. Anyway, um, I finally figured out the bridge port enough to be able to mill a piece of steel um, to make the the bottom piece for the tool holder, so that I can now mount the quick change tool holder in the lathe, and it's a really simple. You know, it's a piece of steel with two shoulders knocked off. It's kind of like an upside-down T-shape. But then there's a hole drilled right in the center of it. Uh, It's like a big one-inch hole with threading. And so that that screws on. And I made that start to finish and didn't have any problems. And it threads on better than the original one did and stuff. It was, like, so nice (laughs) to just, like, look, it works. And so then after working on that for a couple hours or hour or whatever, I put it on there. And then had the tool on the lathe. I'm like, oh, no. Like, I can't put this off anymore. Now I have to use the lathe. <laughs> Which sounds, you know, like, yay, I get to use the lathe, but I've been terrified of it. So yesterday, I finally um, started going through all of the parts and the wrenches. And, the you know, I had to, like, go through the chuck to make sure that the chuck looked like it was in decent shape. Because I was afraid, like, the jaws are going to fly off when I turn the thing on. And, you know, just... Like it's a new mach- it's an old machine that's been used. I have piles of parts and I don't know the shape of any of those things. You know, I don't know like is the belt gonna fly apart? Um, are all the gears intact and stuff like that. So watched a few videos to kind of understand back gears and the uh, auto feed stuff, which is not there's actually a piece missing, so I can't really do that yet. But I got a lot more familiar with the mechanics of the lathe which is pretty cool. You know, it feels good to like understand what you're looking at a little bit more and something like that. And then like within, I don't know, 30 minutes or so, I had it up and running and was cutting, you know, got the tool mounted, was able to cut pieces. I haven't cut any metal on it yet because the thing I'm working on is actually going to be Delrin. So starting with plastic, which is great because I'm not going to break anything. Yeah. The only downside of of cutting Delrin, I would assume any plastic on that, is that it makes this like super long ribbon when you're cutting that then gets wound around the piece. And so that as you're cutting the piece, it gets more hairy. So it looks like it's growing hair while you're and you can't see where you're cutting. You can't see the details that you're adding. And so every, I don't know, minute or two, I would have to like either back the tool out so that the hair flies off or I would have to stop the thing and reach in there and pull all of the stuff off. So it was kind of slow going from that perspective. But I was able to make, uh, with a three-inch round piece of Delrin, I was able to make a roller with a one-inch slot down the middle of it with bearing inserts on the sides and a through hole through it so that I made one of three rollers for my, yeah, the die for my uh, tube bender. So I have one of three, and it took a really long time to do because I was, you know, tentative about, like, everything. Like, am I going to do this wrong? Or I was like, I would put a tool in the tool holder and start cutting and be like, oh, well, if I'd use this other tool, then I could have cut further in or, you know, in more than one direction or stuff like that. So it was slow because I was figuring a lot of things out. But now I could walk in there and do the second one 
hopefully in like half the time now that I understand like uh, the process and you know switching out pieces and you know handling the chuck in the in the end and stuff like that I was um it, it, it's kind of a it's a question and it's sort of off subject but you mentioned the the, the hair and uh, com- coming off of there that that string and I had an aha moment on the CNC uh, a few weeks ago and I've all and like the router and the CNC I've always had things spinning too fast or the the feed rate is too fast and I was creating dust and it, it's more about chips and once I had that aha moment I'm like oh I've been doing this wrong all this time this is a more efficient way there's less dust in the air and I got to thinking does Maybe the table saw works in a different way, but does the table saw spin too fast? Because it doesn't create chips; it just creates dust. And now I'm wondering, like, is is the table saw a not very efficient way of cutting wood? Uh, maybe, but I, that that probably has something to do with like whether you're cross cutting or, you know, or like scraping. Well, I mean, I guess on a lathe you're probably technically cross-cutting too you're scraping off at perpendicular to the grain huh i don't know it's just a question i asked myself the other day i'm like because the table saw just creates dust super fine dust that'll kill you but anyway (laughs) something to think about yeah so it was exciting to me to now have a little bit of uh bridgeport experience on aluminum plastic steel like I have successfully accomplished tasks on those materials. The downside of it is that like, as I'm doing those things, I realize like, oh, if I had this kind of bit, that would have been a lot easier. Or I thought I had this bit and I don't. So it kind of put me back a couple of days because I had to order something or, you know, or like I have all these bits and I realize I have the wrong collets for them because a bunch of stuff came with the machine. Uh, and so I'm not really worried about destroying bits as much because a lot of them are already in kind of bad shape anyway, and I didn't pay for them specifically. So if I break something, which I did, not a big deal. Um, but it's making me realize like all the other things that if I had this, then I could do this operation. Or if I had this bit, I could do it this way or whatever. So I did that for the bridge port, which was really cool. And then I moved on to the lathe and then yesterday spent the lathe time doing the exact same thing like oh well if i (laughs) if i had one Mm. of these it would be cool i immediately realized that i want a dro on the lathe as well and i know a lot of people will go like you don't need that whatever it's my lathe i want a DRO. (laughs) um because like part of it was because of the the delrin cutting that and i couldn't see where the the tip of the bit was it was like buried in this hair it's black mat of stuff. And if I had a DRO, I would actually be able to know, like if I move, you know, towards the spindle this amount, then that is my end point. But I was having to do it by eye. And uh, I just, there was no way to do it. So, it, you know, that took longer just because I was having to like back it out and check it and make sure that I wasn't doing anything wrong because I couldn't really see it. So there were a few things like that, again, on the lay that I, I learned you know, I think these will make it more useful in the future, but I already have everything I need to use it, to accomplish a task with it. And that was really gratifying to now have two new tools to me that I have accomplished something in. I still have a ton to learn on both of them. You know, I'm still a little nervous on both of them, but like I can hold the thing up and be like, this does what it's supposed to do. And it fits that thing. You know, that's, mm. that's a good feeling. I have a question for the both of you. 
when it comes to milling uh, aluminum, I've seen people shave uh, cylinder heads and they'll have this huge bit in there. I don't know what it's called fly. that it'll do the whole thing. A fly, yeah. Fly cutter. Um, fly, fly cutter. Fly cutter. <laughs> and it'll do it in, in one pass. Um, is there, is it, uh, is that the most ideal way to do that? Because the smaller bit, uh, you, if it's everything is set up right, you could do it in multiple passes. And the difference in between those two bits is $200 and $500. And um, do you guys have any experience I, uh, with Well, that? fly cutters, the type of thing that you, you see in like, uh, Bob, you probably have a fly cutter holder. Basically, it's a, it's a holder, a tool yeah. holder that holds like a tool bit. So they're not, it, it's not really that 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 much more expensive. You can get a fly cutter at a garage sale for basically, if people always have these piles of tools and they don't know what they're for so you can definitely on amazon get a cheap fly cutter they're just super dangerous you got to make sure that the tool it's holding is in very strongly because they could come loose and you you could easily take too deep of a bite with a fly cutter that's another problem it's just a matter of just you know knowing your tools and uh if your late if your cutting head isn't uh what is that word uh Trams exactly the front of the fly cutter will cut like either higher or lower than the back of this the cutter so you got to make sure you're not making two cuts so like a, like a perfect fly cut would be one where you see like that x pattern like across the top mm-hmm. where the front and the back cut are the same level um yeah so you just you just got to make sure that uh you know all that stuff is set up right but i i you might be thinking of there's also um like uh i can't remember what it's called uh, it's got a whole bunch of cutting yeah, like a surfacing yeah like a big surfacing head yeah. it has a bunch of little cutters on it that's for taking a lot of material off of like a big chunk of steel you, you run that slow and slow and strong and it just like takes off a whole bunch at one time the fly cutter you kind of run a little fast and very dainty cuts mm. but they, they you know like i said a fly cutter yeah. is uh you can get them on amazon you can get like a set of three you know three different sizes that would hold three different tool cutters for probably 25 bucks i would assume oh (laughs) yeah it's funny because like when you look at bits especially on amazon which i know anybody who's an actual machinist will be like don't buy from amazon buy from a better place but if you're at the place where i'm at where you are absolutely guaranteed to break whatever it is you try it doesn't doesn't hurt to buy me (laughs) then 25 bucks on amazon is the perfect way to do it i'm not going to be scared of doing something wrong if i don't spend a lot of money on the bit because it in my experience so far, and from what everybody's told me, if you're using a mill, or probably even a metal lathe, you're not going to break the machine. You're going to break the bit. It's the weak point. And so my approach right now is to buy the Amazon cheap stuff like that, buy a box of the same you know, quarter-inch, four-flute steel bits, expecting those to be my like test bed for the first year or two and until I destroy them all. And then hopefully I've learned enough to buy the next step up in in bits but so something like that with the fly cutter you could definitely like get one cheaply like jimmy's saying to try it out i'm gonna i'm gonna implore fans uh, if anybody who's listening is in the machinist business and you work at a machine shop where like you you there are certain machine companies machine shops that use tools once twice three times and then they're not allowed to use them again because of the tolerances yeah so that's why i end up uh, dave welder's uh, stepdad used to give me a bunch of stuff all the time um, because he worked in a machine shop. He'd be like, "We can't use it. It just sits around. No one's allowed to use it again because of the tolerances demanded by you know the job huh. specs." So wow. if anybody's out there wants to send Bob, 
Dave. <laughs> some old cutter heads that are laying around. But I was going to say, I'm working on these these push stick, I call it the push stick kit. So the push stick kit is cut out with a one eighth inch bit that breaks super easily. So I went to Amazon and I bought just crappy Chinese bits that come in like 20 at a time. At about every 25, the bit will snap. Sometimes you could put it back in because the shank breaks and it doesn't break in the flutes and we could use it again. But for... I can buy, they're like a dollar a piece versus $60 for a certain type of cutting head on a certain type of website that everybody likes to use where I can just go to Amazon and just, and be like, oh, they're horrible bits. You know what? They all break the same. Like if you, when you get into that little range of eighth inch or smaller, you could literally probably break it like a toothpick if you just put enough pressure on it. So buying the cheap ones and just running your speeds at appropriate, you know, pressure and cutting speed. And long story short, you just, just a lot of times, and I learned that from working at a, I, I was working with a couple guys at, uh, I think it was, I was at first build and the guy was running tons and tons and tons of cuts. He says, we run so many cuts on this machine. We break bits all the time because I got sick of spending $25 a bit. I just started looking for cheaper versions. The cut is exactly the same. Of course, the bit will break a little bit more often, but it doesn't cost as much. Uh, and so that's just the name. Go to Amazon for these smaller cutting heads if you're running CNCs and you know you're finding that you're breaking expensive bits a lot. Then there's lots to choose from. Then, like I said, they're not great quality, but mm-hmm. for like fifty dollars, you can end up with an envelope full of bits. You end up with like like bits that are basically amount to about a dollar a piece. And this way, you could experiment with yeah. the right flute that you like, and the you know, and then you end up buying more of the particular one that you like. So I am looking at this set of end mills that I bought so that I could have a kind of a pack of, you know, a variation of smaller stuff. And I just, I think I bought these like one late one night when I was probably laying in bed, shouldn't have been looking at my phone. And it's a pack of like eight bits. Um, and the biggest one, they're, they're metric. I have no problem with metric. That's not my point. My point is I didn't pay attention to that when I bought these. It's America. And so... Metric here. <laughs> so <laughs> I got them in and I tried to use one of these the other day and I realized that the collets I had are not uh, metric. And so I have... They're not expensive, but I do have a set of bits now that I can't put in a collet. Somebody so send Bob a bunch of I guess, RA like, collets. Even the cheap ones. Metric RA collets. <laughs> yeah, I just need... That's my next step is to then look on Amazon for cheap collets so that I can use this set of bits and have the variation, you know, that I won't have to worry about the type of bit I buy in the future. The exact same thing happened to me. I ended up buying, for like $300, I bought a ton of brand new cutting heads from a machinist in the area, from his family, he passed away, and anyway, his garage sale. I bought like drawers full of brand new bits, like where any one of the cutting heads would be probably $70, $80. I bought probably... 400 of them, 300 different sizes, all different sizes. A lot of them were metric. So I went to Amazon. Well, I went to, I went to, uh, I don't want to say it because they'll get mad at me. I went to the website of a company that makes a machine. So I was trying to like stay inside their arena. And the, the, the collets for these things were like $25, $30 each for like, like a five millimeter mm. collet for, I can't remember the name of those collets that we have on the CNC machines. You know, the ones that click into the, the thing. It's not an R8. That's a different one. I forget the ones. R16, whatever. Anyway, and I went to Amazon and I bought like from like one millimeter all the way up to like a centimeter. 
and everything in between is maybe 20 of them for like $20. Mm. Whereas uh, the website for the company that I'm trying to support, one five millimeter one was like twenty five thirty dollars. I ended up getting for yeah. the same dollar amount. Ended up getting fifteen different ones, like a whole set. So you can go and get R eight collars for metric on Amazon or eBay. You can get American made yeah. ones used on eBay for you know pennies on the dollar, or you can get brand new ones made out of the United States for pennies on the dollar. Yeah, there's a set here. I'm just looking since we're talking about it. There's a one millimeter to 20 millimeter set. So 20 pieces are eight collets for 91 bucks. I mean, that's like it's 100 bucks, but that's like every one you would yeah. ever need. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. All right. So the ones that anyway. go in a bridge port, the, the bigger ones. So you get you're yeah. getting you're getting like you're getting like five pounds of steel for 100 bucks. Oh, okay. machine. Cut. Speaking of five pounds of steel, um, not sponsored in any way. I just happened to, I ordered some steel from Online Metals. I know you guys have gotten stuff. Yeah, I use them for all the ice pick material. <clears throat> um, so I ordered some s- stuff from them for a project and then got an email that they are they have these um, proto boxes, is what they call them. And it's basically, I think, an off-cut box. Yeah, I bought that before. But it's, yeah, but it seems like a great way to get started with the lathe and the bridge port to have small variation of scrap to start working on. And so, and they, they sell them in different, like you can get a uh, stainless box, mild steel box, maybe copper, brass, whatever. So I ordered a couple and you get them five, 10 and 20 pound boxes, I think something like that. But, um, it's like five bucks for five pounds of steel. It's, you don't know what's it's in great. it. It's great cutoffs. There's all profiles you never would have thought you needed. It's just really good. Hmm. hmm. So I'm pretty excited. I just ordered a few of those for myself a couple days ago. I'm like, because I'm working on this one thing coming up soon and I needed a block of steel like I don't know maybe like a Rubik's Cube block of steel and, and this is another case where Jimmy can like walk down the street and just find pieces of steel laying in the gutter and go like oh look I'll take this one and make a hatchet out of it or whatever I can't I have like Home Depot and Lowe's steel you know? I went <laughs> that's to, like all I'm we can get you, you're, in, you're like in the Midwest there's got to be a machine shop in then around that area and machine shops have there's piles, a machine shop in town piles and piles of cutoffs yeah like this shop that I went to yesterday that I t- described in the beginning of the podcast they have millions of pounds of steel just laying around and I said to the kid hmm. like I go do you have any old tools he goes we just have like really old vintage relics that you probably wouldn't want I was like, that's exactly what I want. <laughs> Do you know who I am? I don't think they're allowed to leave this place. They know me. They don't know me at all. And uh, they don't have the internet there. They're all handcuffed to the machines. Anyway, so we, it was funny. He even said it. We went into the new building. And as we walked through, the buildings all connected together. He said, the machines get older, the buildings get older. And so do all the employees, he said as a joke. And like in the end, there was a guy there who... Had he take his mask off and under, like, while we walked through, I watched him take his mask off. He was in the polishing room and it was all black under his mask, not around the mask. So I don't know what he was doing. But mm. anyway, he and he looks like he lives there and they have <laughs> millions of pounds of cutoff. So, oh, so he was showing me, I said, there's a, there's like this big giant break for bending metal. It's like 11 feet long. I was like, do you guys, he goes, that, is that up for grabs? He goes, He's like, 
probably your age. He's probably like 40. He said, because I've been here my entire life. I've never seen anybody touch that machine because, so I'm going to try and convince my dad to sell it. And then we found like 25 <laughs> other tools that I said, I go put them all together in one pile. I said, give me a number. I'd buy all of them. And he laughed. He goes, all right. So the point I'm making is find a machine shop. They have tons of stuff laying around that's discarded, unused, but out of laziness, mm-hmm. like there was this one whole section. He called it the, the graveyard. He said, 80% of the stuff sitting in that graveyard was one buy that they bought at a like an auction. He said it was all delivered here 25 years ago and it hasn't been touched since. That's how big this place is. Whoa. It's just a big like a big peninsula in the middle of this warehouse. It's just all old machines and there's like a half inch of dust on all of them. He says mm. he goes my dad bought them in a buyout and they've just been sitting there. And he goes I'd love to get rid of them cuz he's sort of taken over. Um, but get a machine shop, get friendly with a machine shop, go in and just say, Hey, do you guys have cutoffs? They'll probably give you like a milk crate full of things that you never would have expected because mm. they, they just sit around. Yeah. You, you're going to find out yeah, in I your little, in your little environment, like in my little environment under my lathe, there's millions of little cutoffs and things that like you get like an inch piece of brass. That's like a half inch thick. And you go, I need, I'll need that for something. And then one day you start tinkering and that's, and you end up, you need it. You need everything. Yeah. Don't throw anything away. Not exactly true, but I get the idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're like almost, I don't know, we're 50 minutes in and we had a little topic we wanted to talk about. We haven't yet. Do we want to like just dip our toes in it, David? Sure. Well, before we hit record, um, Jimmy was saying there was some some noise on Bob's microphone and, uh, and we couldn't figure Sorry. out what it was. Seems have gone away. <laughs> Yeah, out of all people complaining about noisy <laughs> microphones, it's Jimmy, right? Mr. Chicken over there. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's like, oh, it, it's it's good enough. And, uh, <laughs> and I thought, well, there's there, there's there's the topic right there is, is progress over perfection. And uh, I thought maybe we could come up with a couple examples of when we have to hit stop and, and, and move along. You know, I, I know in a lot of the things, especially with the videos... I could perfect perfect the videos and edit for days and days, but there's a, a point where I have to I have to stop. And the same thing is when you're working on a project and you're not working with a plan you're, and you're not working with a deadline, you could just go on for forever on, on these things. And I don't know. I, so I have a, a yeah. progress over perfection. A, a good example for me is if I'm working for a client and it's a higher job, I'm super anxious. I want to make sure everything looks perfect. If it's for me. I'm always like, it's good enough. And I get accused of, of being too much good enough with Taylor. She's always like, you should make it perfect all the time. And I'm, in my mind, I'm like, you know what? I'll spend an extra day making sure something's perfect. If someone's paying for it and they're going to get it, they're going to scrutinize it. If it's for me, like, for instance, I'm doing the, uh, the, the, the car, the truck in the, in the, in the shop outside. I, I'm putting in the new rocker panels, which is quite a complex major surgery for pretty much most automobile repair guys and there's a section that's i have to remove the door to get sanded and perfectly in but in my mind this car used to be a giant rusty pile of of crap and it was okay like that if i leave the seam visible under the door seam and not have to take the door off to make it perfect it's it's good enough you know, I could blend and make everything that I could reach perfectly, really beautiful and smooth, which is where mostly the prominent visual people see the what's going on. Whereas, like, I can point up under yeah. the door hinge and say, oh, I didn't 
blend that seam in because it was too far to get in there and I didn't want to, have to take the whole door off and adjust the door hinges and everything. And so there for me, that's good enough. And then even the seam that goes around the back behind the, the flatbed, I can't get at. I'm not taking off 50 bolts to take the flatbed off just to make those seams. I'm just gonna put some Bondo in it and when I paint the car, I'm just gonna, to be continued on those two seams. If the offhand, the <laughs> chance I take the bed off one day, I'll just do the whole back of the cab once the bed is off the car. Right now, I don't really have to go that far. To me, this was an experiment yeah. in changing the rocker, so it is definitely good enough. When it came to the stools, I just did my Patreon video where I do the voiceover, and I point out in the beginning of the stool video where I color in black, they look beautifully black, but as I go on, they oxidize because I didn't prepare it before I clear-coated it. I didn't, let the, I didn't let the blackener dry long enough. So it was still a little moist. I put it under the heater for a few minutes, and then I sprayed it. And it wasn't enough to dry it because it's oxidized under the clear coat. So in the middle of the video, they look nice and crispy and blackened. And by the end of the video, they're all kind of chalky looking. But in my mind, I'm like, it's good enough. But if it was for a client, I would have gotten completely anxious. I would have sanded them again, blackened them again, made sure that they look good. So it all it all matters. It depends on where it's going. Yeah, there's like a cost benefit to it. There, you know, like with the truck, the amount of effort that it would take to do that little bit more to go around those corners to get that back panel or whatever, that effort is not worth the payoff. No, it's still in that particular it's my truck. Case. It's going to be it mine. Yeah, yeah, if it was for a client, we'd have to do it properly. But I'm not an auto body guy, with, so it doesn't matter. I'm not getting hired for that. With this, um, with this whale piece of art that I did like the first pour of epoxy, it was about an eighth of an inch thick over this frame. And I mixed in white dye to it and <laughs> poured it in there and it was fine. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I thought of something funny. <laughs> no, I didn't. I just choked on my coffee oh. <laughs> and I couldn't, I, I had to cough. And I couldn't swallow in time, and I tried to hold it, in and I just spit coffee everywhere. And um, <laughs> that's good enough. <laughs> I feel silly. I feel well. Don't. I'm sorry. Anyway, the first pour was like from a few feet away. It looked white, and it was fine. But up close, you could see that it had translucency um, a little bit. Yeah, just in the corners, and it was weird because I like I leveled the whole frame. But then I realized that the frame pieces actually had a bow in them. And so the corners were not necessarily level, even though the high points of the frame were. So that was the problem. I fixed that. And I, I did a second pour. So that's one of those things where, like, if it if it was resin that took, you know, 48 hours or 72 hours to harden, then I wouldn't have done that because it would have pushed the entire thing down the road. But it was like, well, another four hours of pouring another coat to have it, like, white, white, to have it good enough, not just good enough for camera, but good enough, like, then I don't have to touch it anymore. And, you know, for us, at least, it's always a kind of trade-off of the the cost-benefit, how much time it's going to take is the big cost for us, not necessarily the cost-cost. And I know I always complain about the, um, like, the schedule, the self-imposed weekly video thing. But honestly, that's a big part of keeping that tendency to perfect something in check. Cause I know that it, like we can't, we can't spend any more time on this thing because it's not more important than whatever's coming next. And when mm -hmm. it is more important than whatever's coming next, then it gets the attention it needs and something else is going to have to slip or, you know, the schedule changes or whatever. But for the most part, 
any project that we're working on, it has a it has a value, it has like a lifespan, it has an, a level of importance that's probably similar to everything else, every other video. And so we can't just take one. And be, I mean, like maybe R2-D2 is the, an exception there. Like long term, it's more important. I've spent a lot more time on it. But, uh, you know, week to week, the little things that we're doing, the little videos, they're not, they don't stand out as being like, this one's so important and I'm going to perfect it and make everything else, you know, go down the road. The schedule, keeping things moving, keeping things coming out is the more important part. To me. I, I just want to point out because I see it happen and there's a few people in my life that I try and nudge. I see many, many makers, creators, they get so wrapped up in making things perfect, so wrapped up into the point that it's debilitating and they don't notice it. They are so wrapped up in making it perfect that things aren't moving along, websites are getting neglected, whatever it is, schedule, client deadlines are getting neglected. They get so wrapped up. And in my opinion, my humble opinion, it is their way of, of, of avoiding conflict. It is their way of, it becomes, uh, it becomes uh, like an insurmountable barrier that they almost don't want to get past because they get so wrapped up in perfection and making it that it, the presentation to the client is almost like it's never going to happen. And they don't want it to happen because they're so anxiety ridden that it's not going to be good enough. So there's people get, I see it happen a lot. And you know, when I meet people at fan meetings, when that used to happen, a lot of people would remind me that they, they like, "Eh, I'm like, get out of your own way and keep in mind that you confront the, if it's a client job, you just confront them and deal with it. If they're not happy, you deal with it. You make them happy. And if it's for yourself, make sure that you're you're moving along and you're growing and you're not just stuck in the in the mud on that one project. Sometimes you, you don't want the project to end and you're just into it. There's my pick, I have two picks for the week and one of them this guy is building this um this office shed thing and he 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 talks about it uh, in the end where he's like i'm slowing down because i don't want this project (laughs) to end because i'm 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 all in this is this has become my life over the entire summer and now i don't want it to end and uh i i I don't relate to that too much but i do relate to uh getting started with the next project because sometimes getting started with something is is super hard and so you're like well i'm just going to try to make this one perfect and it's just, it's a way of avoiding the next problem sometimes hmm that's interesting yeah. well yeah i mean I, I think it's super easy to do um you know i i can do it at a big scale from like a the whole the, the video has to be better although honestly i've tried my best because that's not my area of expertise to really keep my hands off of that like when the edit comes back unless there's something really big that I think needs to be changed, I try to just like enjoy it for what it is and trust my team to do their jobs well and stuff and try not to like get in and like fiddle with timing and stuff. So I try not to reach in and try to perfect those things. Um, But that is a tendency. You know, there's that part of it that you can try to draw out to perfect. There's the project itself. Then there's the marketing of it. Like, how do you how do you perfect the process of getting what you've created in front of people? That I think can be problematic. Um, 
marketing is something like we're trying to figure out. Like, how do we get the things that we do in front of people without beating them over the head with it? You know, you want to show it, but you don't want to like annoy people with it. But sometimes I think you could focus so much on getting your work in front of people that you neglect the work itself a little bit. And maybe that's not exactly the same thing, but it's still it's still like a cost benefit <clears throat> problem, yeah. you know. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a bunch of different things that we can easily fall into and, and kind of neglect progress for the sake of just getting something right or doing something, you know, to a level. My way around that personally is to just try to make incremental change. And we've talked about this a bunch of times, but rather than this thing that I'm doing right now having to be perfect, it just needs to be at least a little bit better than the last time. And the next time I do it, it needs to be a little bit better than this time. Not That means that I don't ever show up as a person who is really excellent in anything, you know, because I haven't like gone into a cave and become a really good whatever and then come out and like, here are my skills. It's like I'm just kind of inching along as I go with a bunch of different things. And that's okay. I don't, I don't care. I don't want to be known for stuff like that. I mean, I don't want to be known anyway. So that's not a big concern for me. It's just that everything gets a little bit better um, rather than just trying to be perfect about something. Mm-hmm. So. Let's go. I don't know. Any other thoughts on that? We're over an hour. Okay. Well, uh, you guys figure out what you're going <laughs> to... Oh, look, the chickens. No, that's Jimmy. Sorry. Um, you guys figure out what you want to recommend. I'm going to thank our Patreon supporters, who are awesome. Thank you. Uh, thank big thanks you. to everybody that helps us out over there, especially our top patrons, Corey Ward, Albers Woodworks, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, You Can Make This Too, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, who has some excellent uh, lathe and milling videos, by the way, which have been very helpful. Thank you, Quinn. Rich at Lowen Designs, Make, Shape, Create, and Odin Leather Goods. But there's a whole bunch of other people. They're all awesome. They all get the after show, which today I'm going to talk about uh, what I'm going to do right after the after show, which is record another thing with somebody else. And I'm going to talk about Ooh. that in the after show. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Ooh. yeah. Ooh. Hey, are you guys? Uh, what do you guys have to recommend? Oh, just a quick, a huh? quickie. Are you guys going on TikTok? Is there, have you guys made the big switch to TikTok yet? No. <laughs> I'm <laughs> so, I'm so I, defeated. I, I, <laughs> not defeated. I just don't want another thing to do. Popular or not? I don't want another thing. No, because because Chad, I have an account. Chad, Chad from Mancrafting is doing really well on TikTok and Reels and stuff. So go check out Chad from Mancrafting. Him and, and Izzy Swan are both doing really well on TikTok and Reels. So congrats, guys, for making the switch. Doing really well. Cost benefit. That's all I have to yeah. say. Cost well, benefit. You know, if it yep. works, you know, it works. Uh, what, what was I going? I was going to recommend uh, Pax Pakes. I wish I knew how to say his name correctly. Neil Pask <laughs> makes I I. I Pask makes. Pask makes. Yeah. Neil is amazing. His channel, I watched his channel grow in the last several years, and he's killing it. He's doing really well, and he's he's such an upbeat, cheerful guy, and he made the handle for my knife a couple weeks ago, which he did kind of exactly the way I would make it, so I really feel a kindred spirit with him and his approach to stuff, <clears throat> and lately he's been doing these really beautiful wood veneers and experimenting with wood veneers and plywood veneers and all kinds of uh, assemblages of wood veneers, so go check him out, and today I put out a video making a snowflake out of out of uh, hand plane shavings, so he's really, really a great guy, uh, you know, his videos are oh, just wow. like so middle 
like creative. I, I went to the middle of the road, and I don't mean that in doesn't sound. It's his videos is just like cross section through everything is what I meant to say. All different types mm. of disciplines, and, uh, and like I said, he's just such an upbeat, cheerful dude. You know, like he puts you in a good mood when you watch his videos. So Neil, thank you for supporting mm. me, and and thank you for the work you do. That snowflake mm. is beautiful. Yeah. He's very experimental, wow. and he always is really, and he goes into it, you know, the way everybody should. Just be experimental, and you know, and coax a good outcome. I have two. The first one, uh, so I, you know, every week I have a pick, and you can totally ignore my picks every week. But these are two videos that I really think everybody should watch because they're just so so good, and it's been a crazy year. And you just feel so warm and gushy after watching them. The first one is called You and That Thing That You Love. It's uh, Dan, Camera Dan, sent me this link. And he's like, watch this video. Don't watch it on your phone. Throw it up on the big screen and enjoy it. So it's 12 minutes long. And it's about this uh, skateboarding kid who um, he, he, uh, he, he injured his, he, he got a scrape. Just a, a fell off the skateboard, and a, a simple little scrape turned into a staph infection, which then made him go blind. What? And he, yeah, wow. so it, it just snowballed. He was in a coma for a while, um, and he was just down on himself and didn't want to do anything. And then he decided, "I'm going to try skateboarding blind." And he, he's phenomenal. The 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 people who made this movie it's 12 minutes long it's beautifully shot it just makes you feel good so there's there's one and then the other one is and some of you might already be subscribed is bo miles he um i believe i I believe he's in australia new zealand one of those i'm Sorry if I don't know exactly where he's from, uh, but he built this cabin. He calls it junk cabin. He was secretly building an office for his wife to to work during during COVID. She found out about the build halfway through, but it's another great like <laughs> heartwarming story and it's beautifully shot, well narrated, and it's it's there's a there's a purpose to this build and a purpose to this video. They're just two videos that you really should just sit down and and watch and it's a good time of the year to reflect and enjoy these beautiful things that's awesome very cool looking forward to watching both of those um mine is less heartwarming but useful maybe i don't know (laughs) i i went to now i know that everybody's gonna go this old tony i know Tubacon, there are people who do machining videos. Got it. I know. I've seen them. Jimmy has told me about them. I went to YouTube and just... (laughs) And I know, but I was looking for, like, imagine somebody didn't know what a metal lathe was at all. What would be a good video to explain the the pieces and the basic stuff to, you know, first time going to the machine? Now, I've used one before, so I'm not that much of an idiot, but I really wanted to find a video that was that, that talk to that person not an idiot a person who did had never used one before i found one um and it's by a channel i've never heard of uh and now i can't find the name of it unfortunately because i just oh man i've been copying and <laughs> pasting links and now i have the wrong one um it is well i want to say the guy's name 
it's a good uh, 15 minute video, basic metal lathe, how it works, what the pieces are called, stuff to look out for, basic safety. You know, it's not an amazing video or anything, but it is a solid bit of really straightforward information. Uh, it's easy to follow. Talks about bit sharpening, uh, the angles on bits, and some stuff like that. It's called Hammer in Hand Custom Cycles and Ivan Iller Studios. Long channel name. I guess his name is Ivan. I don't know. It's a good video. I'll put a link to it if you're interested at all in uh, metal aid stuff. It's a good place to start. So, will you do me a favor and throw that link into the chat here? Because that's something I, I want to check out right now. I don't want to wait until the show comes out. <laughs> Bob, one question. Uh, yeah. Do you have the classic book, How to Run a Lathe by South Bend? I got several of them. I could send you one. No, I don't. It, it is that. like, it is made by South Bend. It is like their instruction manual. And they made one every year. So you can buy a really old one or a fairly newer hmm. published one. I have like five of them. So I'll send you one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, awesome. It just gives you all the basics. Great. And it's like, you know, it's like a, you know, bathroom read. Something you read in the bathroom. That's what a bathroom read is. Sweet. Oh, that's where they happened. Got it. Cool. Well, you guys got anything else for this week? <laughs> I have one more movie to recommend. I was going to hold it to the uh, to the after show, but it occurred to me. Do you guys remember we talked about Levi Allen a few times? We're kind of friendly with him, Bob. You know Levi yeah. Allen, right? Yeah. And I've chatted with him a little bit. Mm-hmm. He has an incredible movie he put out a year ago, and I just looked it up. I was going to say it. it's called um, uh, 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 Slack. The Slack Life. You know what this is? Oh yeah, <laughs> yes. It popped. It up. makes my stomach oh, like, like wobbly. It's a series of these like mountain rock climbing. It's like this rock climbing mountain climbing lifestyle guys that you know free climb, but they free slack. They basically take a like a two inch rope and put it between two cliffs and walk on it. They're basically tightrope walkers, but with like a completely different, not like wearing tights and the French motif and like the, you know, the flying Wallendas. It's like guys that like, Hey, I'm going to walk the, between this gorge and they walk on this slack rope. It's not tight rope. It's a slack rope. And they walk a hundred yards over a gorge that could be, you know, a thousand feet open. It is unbelievable. It's hard to watch. And, but beautiful. Oh, he time. did incredible yeah. cinematography drones and cameras and great stuff good up uh one thing on your on your i'm sorry uh, uh one thing on your pick bob is uh, you uh that guy uh i ivan uh, mm-hmm. i i didn't know he had a youtube channel uh he's got an amazing absolutely amazing instagram channel that i've been following for a while oh. so also go yeah. check that out i was like cool. why does this guy look familiar I'm like oh nice. i have one more recommendation yeah, i'm to... kidding we should go <laughs> cool well uh thanks for listening everybody and Yay. hope you enjoy all of the many recommendations this week and is this the last show of the year are we are we doing any more uh, this year uh, we we probably have time to record a, another one next week we would record yeah. the christmas eve eve yeah eve eve yeah we can do and that then it would come out after christmas, christmas eve. or on christmas yeah. or Whenever Brandon can edit Christmas so, Eve, yeah. we'll do we one, one more. more, one more this year, and then we'll take a little break. But anyway, Bye. thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next Love time. You. Bye. Love you. Thank you. Oh. Love you. Oh.